The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Have you ever seen in your Bible where it'll say a psalm of ascents? That's A-S-C-E-N-T-S. Ascents. Have you ever wondered what that means? Well, there are several psalms that say that. And we're going to look at one today, and I welcome you to Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland, along with Bert Harper, and this is the American Family Radio Network. You know, Bert, Psalms is such a, a rich book, very, very inspiring and just wonderful. And you'll see things like Selah, and you'll see words like a Psalm of David. And I read one time when it said a, a, a song or a psalm of ascents, that there were some psalms, about 15 of them, and when uh, Jewish people would make a pilgrimage up to Jerusalem, okay, you go across from the Mount of Olives down through what's called the Kidron Valley, and you're going up this mountain, you know, the city on the hill, Jerusalem, that as they would ascend and make their pilgrimage up the mountain, they might, from memory, recite or sing these things. Is that how you understood That's that? That's exactly right. And when you read them, I think you see that, especially 123 that comes after 122. Unto you I lift up my eyes. That That's obvious, you know. And, and the one before in 121, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. Each mm. one of those, they, they have a different feeling about them. And it reminds me of an old hymn, We're Marching to Zion. You know? Oh, yes. Yeah. And uh, this is uh, one that you would also make me think of Vacation Bible School. Now, used to, they don't do it anymore. But when I was a kid, you marched in. You always lined up outside of the sanctuary. Opening assembly. Exactly. And you'd have the American flag. You'd have the Christian flag with a Bible bearer behind the Christian flag. And you would march in, and there'd be that music to march by. And it it would invigorate. It would excel. And I, I think I see that in these psalms. This one says... And, and the reason we're doing this, it's got two or three phrases in it that I thought, well, man, those would be helpful for the day in which we live. And the first one is this in verse 1, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Now, Alex, I know it was going up to Jerusalem. I know it was going up to the temple. But I think it has a little bit of at least foreshadowing of gathering back in worship service, you know, after they declared the pandemic, and most churches said, man, we're willing to do that for a month while this thing, you know, while we can get a hold of it, you know, so we won't overwhelm the hospitals, you know. And you and I talked about it. We said, yeah, that we can, we can meet with a church not assembling for a while. But then it went on and on and on, and even some churches having to go to court to to not be sanctioned and everything. Mm. So I, I read that and I said, man, this is awesome. I, I was, I was glad when they said, let's get back at church. Let's meet together. There is Amen. something about meeting together that kind of sets the tone, doesn't it? Well, yeah, exactly. And uh, you know what? I, I'm privileged, Bert. I'm in a church somewhere just about every weekend to preach. And I, I do love to go to the house of God. And uh, you know, Steve Jordahl in One News Now was uh, reaching out to me earlier today because um, there was an article they wanted me to comment on about how a lot of people haven't started going back to church after COVID. Let me encourage you, and I'm just going to say it this way, and then we're going to look more in-depth at Psalm 122. Um, cultivate within your family and your children, your loved ones, what I call an ethic of churchmanship. Sunday morning, if you're a Christian— Sunday morning, you go to church. You just do. And, Bert, I am not a legalist, but I read the Bible, Hebrews 10.25, do not forsake assembling yourselves together. Uh, I look at church history. I know, oh, my goodness, how many persecuted people around the world. Um, well, I was in South America a few years ago. We led a major mission trip for Focus on the Family in 2008, and we took 600 people to South America. And I just remember some of the church buildings were like made out of pallets and tarps. And yet on Sunday morning, 
you had to get there way early to even get in because these people were so joyfully, cheerfully, eagerly coming to hear the Word of God. And one Peruvian man said to me, he said, when I hear the Word of God, that just carries me along all week. And I don't know, Bert, I I just feel like we in America, we're so blessed with our facilities and all that we've got that we, we need to gratefully and, yes, obediently go to church on Sunday. And thus ends my little soapbox here. <laughs> well, but let me let, get on it. Let me <laughs> let me add to it. Let me drag my soapbox right up next to yours. Come on, okay? brother. I, live streaming is awesome. But listen, if you can go, there is something about being there where two or three are what? Gathered. Gathered. And, yeah. and there's the gathering, and then there's the scattering. And, but before you can be scattered, you got to gather and so we've been scattered long enough, even with live streaming and podcast and all the great things that are available to us in 2022. But I'm just telling you, being there, uh, singing those songs, sharing together, um, listen, we need it. And uh, you say, well, I, man, it's, it's just uh, dangerous. Well, let me just tell you, getting in your car, driving to the local grocery store or the department store or, you know, super store that we have these days. Uh, you know, uh, let me just tell you, if you'll ever stand a, a sit on a grand jury in a town and you hear whatever is going on, uh, I, I had the privilege of doing that uh, t- after I did it, and I was there two weeks, but I had to do two funerals. Uh, and I, I couldn't be there every day, and they said, that's okay, but they've never called me again. But I heard what was going on in our county, our little county in northeast Mississippi. Listen, right. if everybody heard that, they'd be afraid to get out and drive anywhere. And mm-hmm. uh, that's what's going on. So don't let fear paralyze you from gathering together and praising the Lord. Alex, I got Amen. my soapbox right next to you now, brother. Right on, brother. And and folks, uh, our admonition to be a part of a local church, that will continue because it, it's a wonderful thing, and it's just part of being a disciple. But Psalm 122, uh, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is builded as a city that is compact together, uh, very intentional, uh, a well-planned design. Whither the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, unto the testimony of Israel to give thanks unto the name of the Lord. Uh, for one thing, Bert, let me say this regarding verse 2. Um, there's a certain... Uh, aliveness attributed to the city of Jerusalem. It's like they're talking to this city. Now, um, uh, they call the literary term for this is to anthropomorphize. In other words, to make an inanimate thing like human. Well, Jerusalem is a living city. I mean, it, it is. And it's like a promise. Our feet will stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Now, let me explain where I'm trying to go with this. The reason... They're, they're making the promise. It's like Jerusalem, God's earthly city, we're going to get there for sure because one day we're going to be a part of God's heavenly city. And Bert, when we go to church and we commune with the family of God here on earth, we're, we're testifying that we're going to be a part of the family of God up in heaven. Amen. And the gates are significant. They were on each side. It was accessible from all directions. It does show so much. Uh, This is very picturesque. Jerusalem, the city of peace, uh, is very picturesque of coming into Christ, standing in him, the gates. uh, Narrow is the gate. Those gates were there. They were built back by Nehemiah. If you remember that, Nehemiah, the whole book of Nehemiah is about building those gates and then setting them up so they could worship the Lord. And so uh, they built the walls, but they set the gates as well. Setting the gates was as important as having the walls. And because in the gates you came and you went, and so it set Jerusalem apart. And again, and notice Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together. Uh, and, And I love that where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, 12 tribes, 
going up accessible to worship the Lord Jesus. So it can let's go back to what you started with, the ascents. Can you imagine all these different people coming, especially on holy days, you know, especially on those holy days, as they would ascend those hills? And it makes, again, this is secular, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. The, the hills were alive with the sound of music, okay? They really were. They were alive as they would ascend up into the up to worship the Lord. Alex, uh, it reminded me years ago, and I want to get this in, I had the privilege of uh, one time, only one time, uh, you know, attending a Billy Graham crusade that was in Memphis, Tennessee. And I never will forget, we as a church, we took a church van load. We got out, and you should have just seen the people park, the anticipation of going into that stadium to worship together. There was so much excitement as the people gathered, and they were marching up, and you could hear just them, the excitement in their voices. This is what it's referring to. And, and as they come to worship, that ought to be the worship. When we gather together on Sunday morning, the parking lot, man, as we go into the, the sanctuary or go into the Sunday school classes, making known the praise of the Lord. That's what they were doing, wasn't it? Amen. Amen. And folks, uh, this is Exploring the Word. Alex and Bert here on the American Family Radio Network. We're in Psalm 122. Very, very short psalm. I'm going to share something that I think is just beautiful, but in a a few moments, we're going to take phone calls. And the number, if you choose to call in, it's 888-589-8840. Very interesting. Jerusalem is builded as a city that is compact together says verse 3, Psalm 122, verse 3. Now, that's interesting. You think, well, a a compact city, um, and if you've ever been to Jerusalem, you know they're a little... uh, Frankly, it's fascinating, Bert. We walked and walked and walked around the old city, and there's little alleyways here and there, and it's almost like you're, you're deep in a maze that is just endlessly fascinating, and there's all these surprising little twists and turns. That's right. Well, I looked at that word compacted together, and, you know, when you think about Jerusalem uh, and you think about the physical buildings and such, but it's the people, too, because it's the family of God. Uh, Jerusalem is the city of the Savior. And the word compacted together really does mean united or joined together. But I want to take it even farther, because, like, when we say you ought to go to church, you're part of the family of God. Uh, And the beautiful thing about the church is we're all there in the same way through the blood of Jesus and through faith in Christ. Uh, Your good looks didn't get you into the family of God. Your your family heritage, uh, meaningful as that might be, your money. See, you know that old song that says, uh, some by the fire and some by the flood, but all through the blood. Well, here's the thing. When it says Jerusalem is a city compacted together. That is the very same word, Bert, that was used in Ezekiel 1, verse 9. All right, these living creatures that the prophet Ezekiel saw, it says their wings touched one another. They were joined together, united by God's hand, just like we, as the body of all believers, were joined together of the Spirit of God and the, the, the Savior we all share, Jesus. Amen. We're knit together to the love of Christ. We're going to be back with more of Psalm 122. Don't go away. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Dennis Alvord, Deputy Assistant Secretary for Economic Development. His office promotes innovation and competitiveness, preparing American regions for growth and success. 2 Corinthians 9.6 reminds us of the importance of economic investment. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Dennis Alvord in his role in economic development. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. This is an important election year in your state and all across the country. 
and we are joining together to pray the vote. Details at pausetopray.org. Dr. Tony Evans says it's perfectly okay for a Christian to look out for number one, as long as you realize that number one isn't you. What happens when people fail to make that mental connection? We'll explore one example today as we spend two minutes with Tony. Unfortunately today, that's what so many people do when they come to church. They come for their blessing. They want the provision regardless of how much attention they give the blessor. They want the blessing for their own personal benefit. God says, but if you understand, I want a relationship. I'm a father. I want you to hollow, make a big deal about my name. I want you to submit yourself to my rule, kingdom. And then I want you to say, my will be done. You'll see the kind of provider I can be. God tells his people, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear. Don't make that an obsession, he says. He says, all these things the non-Christians are all nervous about and seek and panic over. He says, but your heavenly father, he already knows what you need. God says, I got you. I got your back. I know what you need. And if you would focus on my kingdom, then you will see me focus on your provision. But if you make the obsession your provision, then what you're saying is you are your own source. And I'm just a convenient addition. For God wants to be your provider. Learn to develop the kind of connection with God that turns being under authority from a pressure into a pleasure. Check out Tony's CD series, The Lord's Prayer, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Explore the Word, Bert and Alex. We're in Psalm 122, and uh, we've uncovered some interesting verses, and one well-known, let us go into the house of the Lord. Alex, I I don't want to go backward, but I think it helps us to anticipate the rest of it again. It says in verse 1, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Do you catch the anticipation? This is filled with an anticipation. This should be our thought. If I found out for Bert Harper, if I have given myself to prayer, to reading the scriptures, to, to even worshiping him, singing in the car when I'm by myself, I have to do that by myself because it's not pleasant for anybody else. When Sunday oh, comes, yeah. I, if I've done the personal worship, the corporate worship is anticipated beyond measure. Does that does that uh, describe any that you've experienced? Amen. Amen. I, I mean, it's like so many things in life. I mean, you get out of it what you put into it. And let me just say that um, we we ought not just be passive recipients all the time. Um, you know, we, we've got to invest, and God is worthy to be worshipped. And the Bible, you know, we saw that word in the Old King James, comely, uh, C-O-M-E-L-Y. Uh, praise and worship is appropriate for the people of God. So, yes, there is an anticipation. And I, I you know, I'm just going to say it. I love to go to church, and again, I, I don't want to, I don't ever want to have people look at me. I want people to look at Jesus. But I will say, I was so blessed, Bert, when Angie and I were engaged and we had met with the pastor and we were thinking about getting married and we just wrote down on a couple of legal pads the things that were important. And we just made, uh, it was a commitment and a joyful one that we were going to get married and we would be in church unless there's a snowstorm or an ice storm. Uh, And 33 years in, you could probably count on less than five fingers the times that we haven't been in church on a Sunday morning, not because we're trying to say, oh, look at us. I want to go and hear the Word of God preached, and you know what's so wonderful? Bert, it's been my joy. I've been to David Jeremiah's church. I've been to Bellevue, where Adrian Rogers was. 
That's great. We love those kind of folks, don't we? But you know what? I've been on the road in a little country church with somebody that you would never see in the headlines, perhaps, and they would bring a word from the scriptures that I needed to hear. And uh, I, I go to church for a couple of things, to, to be convicted, uh, to be taught, and to be motivated. You know, Amen. I need my toes stepped on. <laughs> I need to learn new things that I didn't know. And then I want to get my batteries charged to keep on serving Jesus another day and another week. Don't don't you? And this is preachers talking. This is Bert and Alex and saying the same thing. Uh, I go anticipating God speaking to me from the Word of God, sometimes from a testimony, sometimes a person praying in public, and, yes. and they voice something, and it convicts me. Bert, you hadn't prayed for that. You're becoming so lax. God uses mm. that, as you said, stepping on your toes, and there's a direct line between God stepping on your toes and your heart being purged, okay? There's mm -hmm. a direct line. And if it just steps on your toe without your heart being touched, uh, you can just shake it off and go on. But you want your heart touched. Here, notice what it says. The tribes going up to the testimony of Israel. It's a testimony to go. And I remember Dr. Adrian Rogers, and I guess we quote him probably more than anybody else. Probably I, He's, he's I, up there. I think he is. And he said, every time you go to church on Sunday morning, you are declaring, I still believe. He said, Amen. it is a testimony of attendance, and it is. And so, and I give thanks to the name of the Lord, giving thanks. That's part of what we do. That's part of our testimony. The thrones are set there for judgment, and the thrones of the house of David. There's that judgment. God is sitting on his throne. He hasn't discarded it. He is still there. We still worship him. We still adore him. And as we make our way to worship, as they made their way to worship, let's take it back to their day. When they made their way to worship, they were anticipating uh, the worship. And then it became actual. It wasn't something that just, okay, I don't catch one bit of, of I, I would say, of of sorrow uh, or anything that says, oh, I am disappointed. It seems like when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord, everything that this writer says after this is it being real, not disappointment, Alex. Mm. Well, that's true. It is real. And I love it in verse 4, They uh, the testimony of Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. Isn't that something? Uh, among everything else, we just want to give thanks for the name of the Lord, not just what God does, but who God is. Um, I've heard many uh, recitations and readings. It, you know, we would sometimes in the back of the hymn book do those responsive readings, and the preacher, and they're all drawn from Scripture. Uh, the preacher reads, then the congregation reads, and those are really, really meaningful. And many of them will conclude, and they'll say, May the name of the Lord be praised. See, we want to worship God for who He is. And, uh, you know, you and I have done programs over the years about the nature of God. He's eternal. He's righteous. He's merciful. But the name of the Lord is to be praised. Now, uh, verse 5 really transitions. Even though this is a brief nine verses, I mean, there's a structure here. It says, for there are set thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They that prosper, they shall prosper that love thee. And that's really from Genesis 12. Um, God says he'll bless those that bless thee, the children of Abraham. And there is blessing. By the way, I've got a sermon I preach on um, some of the most neglected prayers uh, of the Bible, and one of the, you know, we are to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. But before we get to verse 6 and following, Bert, let's talk a little bit about verse 5. Uh, there are set thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Now, uh, aren't we going to participate in judgment? You know, you read, Bert, and the martyrs of the tribulation, and then the the, the Christians throughout the church ages Understand this, we, the redeemed, will participate in the judgment of angels, 
um, there seems to be an indication that the those martyred will be vindicated, and uh, at least to some degree, the judgment upon those that persecuted the church, um, a little bit of their sentencing will be partially decided by the martyrs and the, the believers. I mean, God has set up thrones of judgment, and his redeemed will participate in that. It is. And again, he does not come down. We don't arrive to him. We're not like Satan wanted to be, high and lifted up as God is. He is still on the throne, but we come alongside him. And and with all my heart, Alex, I think that judgment is in agreement with God. I, oh, of course. My judgment is always, if my judgment is not in agreement with God now or then, it's not the proper judgment. And and so the thrones here is God, and we come with him. And matter of fact, think about Jesus is seated on the right hand of the throne of God, and there he makes intercession for us. And what a joy it is that God is on the throne in Jesus. After he came to earth, he has gone and given him a seat at the right hand of the Father. Now, Alex, again, because of that throne and because of that, because of that, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. In other words, God on the throne, I can pray expectantly for what he's going to do. And part of this is the peace of Jerusalem. We're pay it, praying for that. We pray. Uh, it's the most important city in the world. No, it's Amen. not New York City. It's not London. It's not Moscow. Uh, it, not Tokyo. Not Shanghai. Uh, it is Jerusalem. So pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Now listen to these words. Mm. Notice the P's here in the English language now. The peace and prosperity. Seemingly, they are, you know, parallel with one another. In other words, when we have the peace of God, uh, and I'm just talking about peace of God in our heart right now, alone comes that it's not necessarily financial prosperity, but it's the prosperity of the soul, Alex. I feed upon him, and he nourishes me, and I'm prosperous in that way. And, and so, But also, when there's peace in the land, guess what? Prosperity is easier to attain physically. Uh, am I, do you see those two being parallel with one another? Amen. Amen. Uh, folks, this is all uh, conjoined and linked together, as, and it's part of our identity and inheritance as believers. Now, uh, verse 7 says, Peace be within thy walls, and prosperity within thy palaces. Now, what's so interesting is that the word walls means ramparts or fortress. See, when you're within Jesus, you're you're in that sanctuary, that safety. And of course, there is, if you're in Jesus, you've got peace, right? Well, if you're in the family of God, the city of God, uh, the the Savior of God, peace is within thy walls, which is really a fortress. It says, in prosperity within thy palaces. Now, the word palace there is often translated as citadel or like a tower. I want to say this, Jesus lifts us up, just like he lifted Peter up, uh, who was sinking. You know, Peter walked on water. He saw the boisterous storm. He began to sink, and he said, Lord, save me, and Jesus lifted him up. And, Bert, I I don't want to spiritualize too much here, but I want to say this. If you're a born-again believer, whoever you are, you are high and lifted up. (laughs) You you really are. In fact, um, He's the, taken the Christ- us out of the horrible pit, hasn't he? And he's lifted exactly. us up, put us our feet on the rock, Alex. That's awesome. That is high and lifted up. So verse 7, just as uh, this city is really an analogy of our uh, position within the Savior, look, you're in the fortress of safety, Jesus. You're in that tower of elevation. You're a child of the King. You're somebody. Now, I know the world defines status by your bank balance or whatever but i want to tell you something more more and more bert as social media and just so much um so much really darkness and fallenness defines the world i i rejoice 
all that we are, all that we have, all that we ever hope to be, it's in Jesus. He's our rampart, our fortress. He's our high tower. And in Christ, we are lifted up. Amen, Alex. And again, that peace, and that pro- it begins with being at peace with God. Has there been a time in your life when you've come to the realization that there's nothing good in you, but God said, you're not worth a lot, but you're worth saving. You are worth my son going to the cross and dying and taking your sin upon him and paying that price for you. You are worth that to God, and God wants you into his peace. He wants you to join him in this peace that only God can give. And then when you have that peace with God, he gives you the peace of God that passes all understanding. In the midst of difficulty, storm, heartache, beyond measure, there's a settledness in your life that you know our God is taking all things and he's going to bring it about even for ultimate good. It may be in eternity. We may not see it here but it will result in good. That's the peace we have, and that's the prosperity of the soul, knowing that, feeding on that. And it brings us this in verse 8. I couldn't help it. It affects others for the sake of my brethren and companions. You know, God doesn't just bless you to bless you. He blesses you. And I'm going to say a song, Alex. I'm not going to sing it, praise the Lord. Make me a channel of blessing today. Alex, Mm. that's the whole idea. He blesses us in order for us to what? Pass that blessing on. And we need to pass it on, don't we? We do. We do. Uh, Let let me just say this, passing it on. And look, I I know this was written to Jewish people 1000 B.C., but because the New Testament is really the uh, enlightening and fulfillment of the Old Testament, you know, I, I don't think we're doing the text injustice to talk about um, just as their relationship of worshipers of the true God, our relationship to the body of Christ. I believe it for foreshadow of what we do, Alex. I really it do. It is. Yeah. It is. Um, you know what? There was a song growing up. We would, Mom and Dad had a lot of records, but Charlie Pride. Do you remember that country singer? He's yeah, in he's heaven from Mississippi, now. matter of fact. We really? claim was him. he really? Yeah, bet. Sledge, Mississippi. Uh, my <laughs> pastor uh, grew up with Charlie Pride, and he sang and played the guitar really? with him sometimes. Yeah. Well, you know what? I've always loved him, and he recently, he was a devout Christian. He went to heaven. He would sing this song called The Little Brown Church in the Vale. Yeah. Church in the Wildwood, which, by the way, incidentally was a real church that was built in 1864. This was a real song about a real church. But Charlie Pride would sing, No no spot is so dear to my childhood, but the little brown church in the Vale. And I've often thought about and, and I know, look, all the times that I went to church with my grandparents, with my mom and dad, I well remember the time Angie and I and Ann went to church, and it was the last Sunday my mom would ever be in church. I, we finished church. I flew to AFR in Tupelo. Two days later, my mom went to heaven. And then, you know, Angie's mom went to heaven just about six days ago. But, but you know what? There's a, a lot of kids now growing up, and they don't have a little little church to look back on for those family milestones. Uh, Folks, let's be the generation that rebuilds church attendance in America. We can do this. It says, let us go into the house of the Lord, and it says, peace be within you. When you do that and know Christ, he gives us that peace. That number, 888-589-8840. If you watch carefully, many, many schools at early ages use porn videos for sex educating kids, and parents don't even know it. This weekend on Encouragement Live, apologist and author Josh McDowell. The biggest thing is mom and dad's relationship and a biblical view of sexuality. This is Don Hawkins. Join us for Encouragement Live with Josh McDowell, Saturday at 7.05 p.m. Central here on American Family Radio. Hello, I'm Gary Roby, host of Call to Worship, heard each Sunday on American Family Radio. This one-hour program will lead you in a special time of worship and praise. We will focus on God's Word, spoken, and in music. Call to Worship has a different topic each week, 
as we glorify God together. Be sure to join us at 5 a.m. Central each Sunday for a call to worship right here on American Family Radio. In churches, and a lot of churches today, the issue of identity is sort of like the big elephant in the room. It's in the news, but it's not in the church. So if it's in society, it needs to be something the churches are addressing. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality, is now available for church screenings and events. Every person in America needs to see this. And all pastors need to show this to the church, get the people informed. If the church and Jesus isn't the answer, where's the world going? We want the message of the film to touch as many hearts and lives as possible. And we'd love to join with you to bring the film to your community. So let's say you have a small group or your church, or we've even been bringing the film into some prisons. We want to partner with you. So what we'll do is we'll send you a special kit and it's completely free and it'll just have some extra resources to help you promote your event. To find out more about how to host an event, go to inhisimage.movie and click on the host an event tab. That's inhisimage.movie. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. My name is Abraham Hamilton III and this is the Hamilton Minute. Buzz Aldrin is the famed astronaut who planted the American flag on the moon and explored it for some 21 hours. What many don't know, however, is what Mr. Aldrin did to commemorate the moon landing. Aldrin, a committed Christian and elder in his local church, marked the incredible occasion by celebrating Holy Communion. The first meal ever eaten on the moon was a celebration of the Lord's table, a lunar declaration that Jesus Christ is Lord savior and soon coming king that is pretty cool listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m central for the hamilton corner with abraham hamilton iii public policy analyst for the american family association in him we were also chosen as god's own having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything by the counsel of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, would be for the praise of his glory. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Hey, here's the number. Call in with your Bible questions. We would love to hear from you today. It's 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. And uh, Bert, uh, I'm going to throw it to you in a second, and we'll go to calls. But I want to mention a special group of friends out in Paris, Tennessee. Uh, now, many of you you might know uh, Tennessee Valley Community Church and Steve Gallimore and Carlton Gerald, and I go there and preach a lot. They're wonderful. But also, while I was there in Paris, Tennessee, I met John Paul Moody. Now, he's the director of Covenant Ranch, which is a Christian camp. that is just phenomenal. And listen to this. If you happen to be in Tennessee or in this part of the country, April 15 and 16, April 15 and 16, they're doing something called the Boys to Man Weekend. The Boys to Men Weekend. And it's it's a, a ministry for dads who are raising their sons in a godly way. And uh, let me just give you this website, Covenant, C-O-V-E-N-A-N-T, covenantranch.net, covenantranch.net. Bert, uh, I love to, to be a part of something about mentoring uh, young men coming up, and that um, Boys to Men weekend, April 15, 16, John Paul Moody and Covenant Ranch, they do great work, and if you're in that part of the world, I would encourage uh, fathers and sons and and men of churches to check that out. And that is the Friday and Saturday before Easter, so a lot of the young boys will be out of school, and uh, what a, they won't miss it and be there. What an opportunity. Yes, we've heard of that down here. We've had men here at FR, and it is a great testimony of what God is doing. Um, let's go to the phone lines, and we're going to go to Texas and talk to Pamela. Pamela, welcome. Thank you. Uh, first of all, I want to thank you and Brother uh, Alex. Um, I don't know if you guys remember me, uh, but I called in uh, a while back, and I asked you, uh, asked you, Brother Bert and Brother Alex, to pray for me about my son, and I wanted to call and give a praise report. 
Hey, we Amen. love praise reports. Hallelujah. Look, I, I if do I had remember. A, yeah, I do too. If I had a drum roll, I'd be playing it right now, Pamela. <laughs> Give us that praise. I'm so excited. Thank you, guys. Uh, he's well. I saw him Sunday, and uh, God is uh, uh, um, hes turning from drugs, and God is cleaning him up. I mean, he just looked at wonderful, and I, it was just more than what I expected. He's doing very well, and I just wanted to thank you and Brother Bird and all the AF family for just praying and touching and agreeing with me. Well, let's Amen. don't you hang up. We want to get you a question, but it's wrong not to give a prayer of thanksgiving to. Alex, you know, give a yeah. prayer of thanksgiving for Pamela's son and answered prayer. Amen. Let's pray. Father Amen. God, we acknowledge you are so good. Lord, we called and you answered. And I just rejoice for Pamela's son. And Father, in the name of Jesus, please keep your hand upon his life. Keep him clean, free of any substances or drugs. And Lord, grow him into the man of God you designed him to be. Lord, we agree in praise. We called out in prayer. And we thank you, Lord. And we acknowledge the way you answered. And Father, no doubt there's many listening, and they've got uh, someone on their heart as well. So for all those in our life that we're concerned about, whether it be a child or a friend or a spouse or a prodigal, Lord, um, work through our lives, and Father, work through our prayers to bring all the lost sheep home. And we thank you for this testimony, the one that we've heard about today. In Jesus' name we praise you, Lord. Amen. Amen, Pamela. You have a question amen. for us today, but hey, that was yes, sir. Amen. Yes, sir. Go I'm ahead. Gonna real quick. I'm gonna say it real quick because I have to get off the phone, but I'll, I'll listen as I get off the phone because I'm not supposed to be on the phone. But I just had to call and give you guys that praise report. Uh, my question was: I was reading in the Bible the other day when um, John baptized Jesus, and he said, "Well, behold, the Lamb of God, which take away the sins of the world." And um, he seen the Spirit of the Lord descend on Jesus like a dove. And I was reading further where it says that he sent to uh, John sent to his disciples to ask Jesus, was he the one or do we look for another? Uh, and I'm kind of confused about that because did he know Jesus was the Lamb of God? And I'm going to get off the phone and uh, get on the radio and let you guys answer my uh, question. Amen. Pamela, thank you for calling today. You have blessed us beyond measure. But let me just share with you, John the Baptist, as he is known, John the Baptizer, some call him, is a picture of a man in his faith, knowing Jesus, not not going away, not dropping away, but having some wondering, and, and is this he, or should we look at another? Because if you remember, Alex, what was he facing right when he was asking that question? Well, John the Baptist, you know, Jesus just uh, gently said, you, you know, tell John these things are being fulfilled. See, John the Baptist was in a, a cell awaiting beheading by Herod. And, you know, isn't it something that um, even somebody like John the Baptist, and he knew and he rightly proclaimed, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world in John chapter 1. But Bert, there's a phrase, the, the dark night of the soul. And John the Baptist was a martyr for Christ, and he sent two of his followers. He said, wait, you know, wait a minute here. Are, are you the one? Did I, did I have it right? And he surely did. But Bert, this tells me in our moment of fear or second guessing or our moment of emotional weakness or breakdown, God doesn't reject us. He has mercy on us, doesn't he? He does. I call it crisis of faith. And Pamela, I remember one time I was in college at Blue Mountain. I had a night class, and I, I came away from that class. No doubts. It, they taught the Bible there. But I came home that night. I had about a 45-minute drive home, and I began to wonder, is this true? Is this really true? God, are you there? And now I didn't stay in that crisis long. I really didn't. But I want to tell you, it. I, God didn't throw me out. He reaffirmed in me who God was. And so, yes, those are the dark nights of the soul. And stay with God during those times. Don't do what they did in John 6. They walked away with him. When they Jesus asked Peter, are you also going to go away? Peter had the classic answer. Where would we go? You have the words of life. And so mm -hmm. those of you that are having that crisis or the dark, dark night of the soul, don't walk away. Turn to him. Turn to him. Thank you, Pamela. Let's go to Daniel in Mississippi. Welcome. 
Uh, yes, sir. Uh, in my men's group, uh, and I appreciate y'all very much, but in men's group study at church, uh, we've been going over uh, how God uh, gave a son for us. You know, he gave a 100% uh, uh, of his son. And what is it for us to give our 100% in the world that we live in that's so chock full of sin on a daily basis? How is it that we can give our 100% to him? And uh, I'd like to give a shout-out to my men's group at Chapel Hill in, uh, in Glen, Mississippi, and I'm going to hang up and listen to you if that's okay. Amen. Mm. I know where Glen, Mississippi is, Daniel. Thank you. Let me give uh, mine, bro- Alex, real quickly. You yeah. remember the song, I Surrender All? Yes. That's a prayer. Uh, I, and guess what? Every time I sing it, I have to revamp and look at everything I'm doing. And there was a time when I was a teenager, I was at a, a camp, a Bible camp, and the and the director challenged us, write in your Bible, anywhere, anytime, anything, date it, and then say, Lord, I'm willing, and sign your name to it. Now, I want to tell you, can I tell you something, Alex and Daniel? I've had to go back over and do that again and again. Uh, it, it, it's daily, isn't it? It is. And, and brother, um, you ask such a wonderful question and very relevant for each one of us. What what does it mean to give 100% for God? Bert, when I think about this, I think about the question, uh, what is your Isaac? You know, because do you remember um, uh, in uh, Isaac was the son of Abraham, and God tested Abraham's faith and said, look, offer Isaac, your only son, Isaac. And he did. And uh, you know, God had made promises to him through Isaac, your offspring will be uh, reckoned. And, you know, um, Hebrews 11 tells us all about this. But, Bert, um, to give 100%, and look, salvation is put your faith in God. But I honestly think that um, every Christian that God really uses, and if God deepens you, and, and friend, you will learn so many wonderful things about the faithfulness of God, you've got to go to a Mount Moriah, and that thing that is closest to you, or I don't know, for everybody it's different, but um, you've got to let go, and your most cherished thing in life, you're going to have to relinquish to God. And uh, let's just, for lack of a better word, call it your Isaac. You're going to have to lay on the altar. But if you do that, God will bless you, and he'll give it back to you bigger, better, more than ever. But, Bert, is that a fair thing to say, that giving God 100% means means making our life and our most cherished things a sacrifice like Abraham did with Isaac? It is, and I just want to tell you, and this is, I think it's biblical, it's probably again and again and again. Uh, yes, right. you do it that one initial time, uh, but you you have to sacrifice. You have to do that again. Thank you, uh, brother. Thank you. Let's go to Arkansas and talk to Jim. Jim, welcome. Thank you so much. Uh, I, I just came to tears a while ago when you said that Peter said, you know, where would I go? Because that's it. That is Christian people. We should be able to say that every time we talk about Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 <laughs> uh, I, my question is this. I'm going to be talking to some young people, and I want to know about the dinosaurs and I've, this is a school. Now, I'm, I'm stepping over boundaries, but that's okay. Uh, if they want to fire me, they can. But um, Woo, the dinosaurs, because I know that God created the heavens and the earth, and it was dark, and he created the light. What about this? Tell me, tell me so I can explain to them and talk then about the Bible. Okay, Jim. Thank you. Alex, go ahead and uh, go with that. Let me just say, if you ever can get to the museum, uh, uh, the Creation Museum, uh, Ken Helm, the Ark, listen, man, what an education it is. Go ahead, Alex. Well, God bless you, and thank you for being willing to reach out and minister to young people. Um, what about the dinosaurs? That's a question that is often asked. The, the, way, the only way to make sense of this, dinosaurs, fossils, the Grand Canyon, is is the flood of Noah. Four words answers everything. And even 
Um, I know this name might not mean a lot to these kids, but uh, Stephen J. Gould, who was in the Department of Education about uh, probably about 30 years ago, and he was an evolutionist, but he at length talked about how uh, Christians believed in a flood. And from the time of Darwin to the present day, and, and the word he used was catastrophism, as in a catastrophic thing happened. He said, look, the rocks, the mud, the continents, the, the marine fossils that are on all the mountaintops and in the deserts, even a hardcore evolutionist, Stephen Jay Gould, uh, G-O-U-L-D, he said, it does appear that the entire earth was underwater at one time, and he said... Even back in Darwin's day, those who believed in the flood of Noah really had the evidence on their side. So what happened was the flood, uh, and and that's why Bert mentioned uh, our dear friend Ken Ham, Creation Museum, the Ark Encounter up in, uh, it's just right outside of Cincinnati, and folks, you ought to go there. But brother, I would say, look, the flood explains everything. The canyons, the mountains, the buckling of the Earth's crust, the marine fossils, they're actually called nautiloid fossils. On mountaintops, fish fossils. In the deserts, uh, marine fossils. The flood is the answer to what happened to the dinosaurs and the ice age that came after the flood of Noah and even the weather patterns we have to this day, Bert. It does, and praise the Lord. Thank you for what you're doing, Jim. Keep it up. And don't let fear, uh, we've got to stand in the face of fear. Thank you, brother. Let's go to Mississippi and talk to Jerry. Jerry, welcome. Hey, uh, uh, Bert and Alex, uh, uh, I would like to, the question I want to ask is uh, when Jesus told Peter, uh, uh, to whom, well, Peter has told Jesus, whom shall we go, thy hast words of eternal life? Is, is that where the song is derived that says, uh, where can I go but to the Lord? <laughs> Hey, hey, I, I can, I don't know of the origin, but it sure does tie in, doesn't it, Alex? It really does. You know, um, there was a book years ago, Bert. I'm sure you've seen it called "101 Hymn Stories." I don't know if you've ever seen this I book, have, but yes, it, it was collated by a guy named Kenneth Osbeck, O S B E C. Maybe that one's in there. "101 Hymn Stories," but you know, where could I go but to the Lord? Sounds like John six to me. It sure does. Uh, Josh from North Carolina, I wish we had time to go to you, but tomorrow is going to be Fire Away Friday. And we'll do our best. Yeah, call us back, and we'll get to that question. We're so close to the end. And here on Exploring the Word, our answers, it's not like comments and just quick answers. And I, I wanted to take time to, to tell Alex, I want you to share, because this is so important. I was talking to somebody about it today, about the youth conference you're having this this summer and how great it would be for young people to come. Would you just give us 30 well, seconds of thank that? thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, July 17 through 22nd, we call it Unashamed Building Your Biblical Worldview. We're going to be at a camp just about an hour east of Raleigh, North Carolina. Will and Mickey Addison in person will be there the whole time. Andy Lawrenson, one of America's great youth leaders, I'll be there. We're going to have a great time at camp, but we're going to talk about being a disciple, standing up for God and country. So that's July 17th through 22nd for middle and high schoolers. Bring your group. Amen. Hey, Alex, are you, do you have the second hour tomorrow there from 10 to 11 uh, Eastern time on the radio? Is that you tomorrow? I do. I, I'll be okay. on American Family Radio 10 to 11 tomorrow, and of course, Fire Away Friday with Bert tomorrow Fire afternoon. Away Friday. And by the way, if you can listen in the morning after Alex gets through, I'll be on Trivia Friday. I'll be on Learning University. Yay. So, yes, we're going to have some great. But thank you for listening to Exploring the Word. <laughs>